years ago, I asked my friend Karen why she didn't ride horses anymore if she loved it so much. She explained it was one of the things that she let go when she became a mother. I thought about my own love of climbing mountains. I climb mountains every day, and I wondered how motherhood could actually subsume my own hobbies and interests. But alas, when motherhood came, I stopped climbing mountains. This is Christian Curious, and I'm your host, Dr. Haley Gray Scott. Each week, we tackle some of the hardest, most pressing questions facing Christians in the 21st century. Today, I'm talking with Karen Rivadadera about the question, how can you be a great mom without losing yourself? Karen is an award-winning author of more than 20 books for both children and adults. Her work has appeared in Surgeoners, Christianity Today, Relevant, Think Christian, and Engineering and Mining Journal. Her most recent book, Saints of Feather and Fang, explores how the animals we love and fear connect us to God. Karen, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I would like to know, how can motherhood change you as a person? Because do you remember that conversation that we had about you riding horses and me climbing mountains? I, I was trying to think back. I mean, I sort of do. I know I've talked about that, certainly, yeah. And you, you told me, you said, yeah, you probably won't be climbing mountains when you have kids. And I'm like, <laughs> how can that be possible? How can I give that up? I mean, um, and yet that's what happened is I stopped climbing mountains. And it's just been in the recent maybe the last year that I've realized, oh my gosh, I better climb mountains. I mean, they're right at my mm-hmm. back door. And if my family doesn't want to come with me, then I just need to go by myself and carry a little can of bear spray or something. But um, <laughs> but yeah, why and how does motherhood change you as a person? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of a tricky question. In some ways, I still maintain that it doesn't. Like in a way, like your you loved mountain climbing before kids. You still love it. You still have that desire. So it's like it didn't take that desire away from you. Although, honestly, I have very little desire to ride horses right now. <laughs> it's interesting for you to bring that up. So I guess I'm, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I still love them. I still would ride a horse with someone brought one over here right now. But um, so in some ways, it doesn't. Like, I still think you are the core of who you are. And yet, becoming a mom, um, again, in the way that we love our kids and all those feelings, I feel like it does do a lot of refining in our lives. It helps us kind of fluff off the things um, that aren't important. At least that's what I found. Um, It kind of gets us down to what really matters in life. You know, I think it helps us focus really on what we are put on earth to do, you know, whether it's our our job or our, you know, what we do in our spare time, um, how we refresh ourselves. Like, I, I feel like it helps bring those things into focus. And certainly in my life, too, it did help me kind of soften some of the edges, I guess, in my life, you know. And for the most part, I think it, it does kind of make us better people. Sometimes I, I always say, like, I never used to yell, you know, every day of my life before I had kids. <laughs> but there was a season where I felt like I was always like, ah, yeah, anyway. You know, when you talk about discerning what is most important I think that perhaps sometimes we forget that climbing mountains or doing those things that bring us joy, that bring us closer to God are some of the essential things. We we bury that under things. We we forget how important that is to actually performing in our role as as mothers and as parents. Oh, totally. And I think, you know, and that's what, even when you're bringing up the horses things, like it is true. I love riding horses. I love animals. Um, But clearly, as I look back, like 
it wasn't as important to say dogs in my house. You know, we've always had dogs and kids. Some people feel like, oh, you should never have dogs and babies or whatever. But that to me was like a non-negotiable. You know, right. I love that's such an important part of my life. And, and so I think that's right. Like, I don't, you know, motherhood doesn't mean that we give up everything at all. Um, certainly, as you said, the things that really bring us joy or really bring us close to God. Um, there might be seasons, you know, where we do have to kind of put things off or appreciate them in different ways. Um, just because, again, like whether it's finances or traveling, I mean, it's, you know, you live in the mountains, but like if I love to climb mountains, but I live here in the Midwest, that would require, you know, a trip. So that can be very difficult and all of a sudden with young kids. So it's certainly it's a season where we might be hemmed in. But um, I don't think it is something that means like you will never do this, you know, really important thing that God made you to do again. I don't think we need to look at it that way. Yeah. You know, statistics indicate that loneliness and, and loss of self are two of the biggest issues for mothers. And I was wondering, why why do you think some women become so subsumed by motherhood? Yeah, I mean, I think so much of it has to do with just, you know, the nature of how much we love our kids. Like, we want to be present. We want to do things for them, um, no matter how exhausted we are. Um, you know, there, there's that, that we just love them and want to do things for them, which, you know, is a very natural feeling. Part of it, I think, is the undue burden that still rests on women's shoulders. You know, even as so many other areas of life become more equal, um, studies are still telling us that, you know, when a, when a mom and dad come home from work at the end of the day, um, women are still, you know, bearing, doing, you know, more of the housework and the cooking and stuff like that. But beyond that, beyond the actual tasks, which are easier to divide, there is something about sort of the, the mental energy that exists. Um, moms just tend to be the ones, again, I, I'm not sure if this is nurture or nature or just society or what, but where we are the ones who are knowing the names of all the doctors and the appointments and who's doing what in school and what's happening in the classroom, like all of that stuff, you know, kind of still so much falls to moms, not entirely. Plenty of dads, you know, know all this and take it on. But I think all of that can really contribute to that just exhaustion. And we live in, you know, if we, if we live in America today and are raising kids, um, there's just a lot of expectation. You know, once upon a time, you'd let your kids, you know, the way I grew up, you know, we'd leave in the morning and, you know, riding bikes all over who knows where, going and doing what. Nobody ever knew. Now it's like this, which again, I don't think is a bad thing, but now it's like, if you don't know where your kids are every moment of the day, or if they're not, you know, scheduled every moment of the day or something, you know, then, then you're not doing it right. And right. all of that is so yeah, I mean, I would disappear. I mean, I grew up in a very different environment than my kids are growing up in. I grew up in mm -hmm. the country, five miles outside of a town that was 1,400 people, and I would disappear all day. And my parents never knew where I was, and they never knew what I was up to. And sometimes I was swimming in ponds with crocodiles and um, <laughs> they never knew. Um, and they never asked where I was. As long, they just assumed that I'd be back by the end of the day. And if I wasn't back, I'd be at a friend's house. And today, you know, I struggle to let my 13 year old walk around the neighborhood. 
um, because it is a very different world. I mean, I think that there mm-hmm. was um, just last night a shooting just a few miles down from my house. I mean, and so mm-hmm. I am constantly on my Find My app whenever she's out. I'm watching her walk through the neighborhood and um, it is it's a very different world. And so it demands a lot of attention. It demands a lot of thought. And, you know, if you think of your brain as as, as a whole pie and you're devoting, you know, one half of the pie to your kids, it can be very hard to uh, maintain your own sense of self and your own identity and remember who you are, what you're about. And um, while you're fulfilling all these um, expectations that you place on yourself as being a mom. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. You know, even if you're away, you know, working in a fulfilling job all day, it's like with the accessibility too, you're still getting, you know, emails are coming in from school, you're still thinking about it, what are they doing? You might be trying to like zoom into something and watch it. So yeah, it's like it's a, there's no, and in a way it's great that our lives can be so integrated, but but it is that image of the brain though. I mean, that's, that's exactly right. It's so overwhelming and consuming that it can be really difficult. Well, I get, I have those, uh, our school system is set up to where I get notifications on my watch every time a teacher grades a paper. And so I get the notification, ding, you know, Ellie has this on this grade, you know, and then ding, this is her final grade, you know, according to the latest mm-hmm. update. And I get those, you know, 20, 30 times a day. And <laughs> so it just goes ping, ping, ping. So yeah. I have to turn off, I have to go on do not mm-hmm. disturb um, just to get any work done. But, um, but yeah, and then I'll text Ellie and I'm like, hey, you're almost to, you're almost to a B plus in this class. <laughs> so you need to work hard. And so we're in conversation all day long. But um, uh-huh. it's crazy. I mean, right. my parents yeah. never had that kind of access. <laughs> no, they, they knew how we were doing. Maybe like a quarterly report. I guess maybe, they, you know, we'd get sent home with homework. But yeah, the, the immediacy of everything right now. And then just even in your own mind. So right, like if you get the ping and a grade, and you're like, oh, no, she really studied hard. It wasn't what it should have been. And then like you're feeling that worry for her and all this, and which is great. But that all used to happen like at the end of the day when the kid came home and anyway. There was that compartmentalization. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a, an, a situation where she studied so hard for this one test and she didn't get the score she wanted. And she texted me and she said she was crying in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And so immediately, you know, I have to, you know, I am distracted from, you know, my, my work and... Yep. I'm focusing on her and you know mm-hmm. instead of dealing with that at the end of the day after my work is done I'm it's it's scattered but um, mm-hmm. in your book one of your first books um, Mama's Got a Fake ID you talk about seven secrets to finding your real identity and I'd like you to just could you just touch on those you know and explain how can you maintain your identity in the swirling uh, chaos of motherhood yeah you know it's funny I wrote this book it's, it's been more than 10 years and so I always get kind of nervous when I go back to it like well do I still believe this will it hold up and um I feel like I do I feel like I still do believe these things so yeah I mean none of these are earth shattering but I feel like they're really important reminders and things to kind of give women permission um so the first sort of secret is get over the guilt you know give yourself some grace 
forgive yourself for not being always the kind of mom you thought you were going to be or that you think you should be, you know, um, just forgive yourself, you know, for the areas where you fall short. You can try to do better, but forgive yourself. Um, the second one that I talk about is to find your identity in Christ. And it was hard for me to put this in there because I, I usually hate this answer because it usually comes out so packed. You know, when people are struggling with their identity or who they are as a human being, so often the easy answer is, oh, just find your identity in Christ. You know, right. and like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. But in kind of looking at it, it became, you know, this really important thing of like, God made us all special. And by finding our identity in Christ or seeking to, I guess, put our identity in Christ and, and you know, live as Christ would have us, it, C.S. Lewis calls it, you know, you become even more yourself when you live into, you know, who Christ is as well. Yeah. Um, then it gets a little bit more practical. Things like, you know, if you want to maintain your identity, it's really important to find out who you are. I think sometimes for us, motherhood is a time where we, it upends us because maybe it, it makes us, you know, confront some of the things of the people of who we thought we would be at this point, um, person you don't want to be. I think it's really important to discover your gifts. If you don't know what you're good at, Take this time to really discover what brings you joy, what energizes you, um, how God sees you. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah. With a heart for the gospel and devotion to scholarly excellence and biblical authority, Denver Seminary prepares you to engage the needs of the world with the redemptive power of the gospel and the life-changing truth of Scripture. Our online, on-campus, and hybrid education programs make it possible for you to earn a graduate degree or a certificate, or simply grow in your knowledge of the Bible. Learn more about Denver Seminary at denverseminary.edu. Sometimes it feels like if I think about my role as a mom and I think about, you know, what I do as a vocation, you know, and every person is different, but I feel like what I do, you know, whatever I do as a writer or a radio show podcast host or a, you know, social scientist, whatever it is that I'm doing is secondary to in my head to being a mother. And Mm. even though I need those things and those things I thrive in and I and bring me great joy. And without them, I, I flounder. I still, I don't know, I kind of put my my job as a mom above that. Um, and I know all moms are different. And some some moms, you know, put think they think differently about parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's hard, maybe particularly like in America, I guess, because we do value, you know, occupation or a profession is so highly and I think it is super worthy and it's super important that God created you as a social scientist and um, you know podcaster and all these sort of things a mountain climber um, but to me it's because of the relationship of motherhood you know and um, that I think it's like that we are putting those of us who say like yeah being a mom is 
going to be the most important thing. Um, it's, it's valuing that relationship more than the role even. So I don't necessarily think that's the same as saying the tasks I do as a mother are always the most important because sometimes they aren't. Sometimes another, you know, your actual profession, you know, thing you get paid for is, you know, more important in that moment. Um, but just that relationship, I mean, it's the whole, it's so innate. And again, it's the language that God uses for us too, um, of a parent and child. And so I think, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I, <laughs> I definitely, you know, my, my role as a mom and my relationship with my kids is, yeah, that's kind of, that, that certainly would come ahead of, of other things. Yeah. What are some of the other secrets that you discuss about maintaining your your identity in motherhood? Yeah, I think, you know, two of them are kind of tied together, but I think it becomes really important to learn to articulate um, who we are and to tell others about us. This is very easy if we have a... Um, like a relationship, if we have a role that we are doing or a, a job that we are doing, but it's trickier, obviously. Hold on one second. I'm just moving away. Um, it's trickier for those people who are like at home moms who, um, you know, like taking care of their kids is their primary role. It can be so much harder to explain to people, I guess, and share like, oh, this is who I am. This is what I love to do. Um, and so I think learning to say that, you know, even if it is that you, you know, if, if you're primarily at home to learn to say I'm Haley and um, I'm a mom and I love to climb mountains, you know, just mm-hmm. being able to articulate that I think is really important. Um, and I think, again, part of me, I used to struggle with this a lot because it seemed vain. It seems like we were trying to show off or make up stuff. But um, when I consider that, God, and you know, when you read the scriptures, God like bends over backwards to reveal God's self to us. And I think it is kind of our nature, you know, like God, God wants to be known. And I think we as humans want to be known and not just seen as mothers in that one kind of way. So I think that's a really important thing too. Yeah. And I think probably the seasons of motherhood are, are different. So I think, for example, when I always say I was exiled in Michigan, um, in Holland, I know you love Calvin College. You went to Calvin College. I know you love that area. But um, living there was I I am I am solar powered. And I did not know that Mm -hmm. about myself. And I found myself we we lived there for four years while my kids were very young. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I decided you know, to, I was offered a full-time professorship and I, you know, those are like, you know, random gold. I mean, they're, they're very rare to be offered a mm-hmm. full tenure track position. And mm-hmm. I decided that, um, I wanted to be home with my kids, that that was where I mm-hmm. needed to be. And mm-hmm. it was a very hard decision because that was, something I had dreamed of from the time I was 18 and I had worked for, I mean, I, you know, my, on the day that my daughter was due, she was born late. Um, my first Mm -hmm. daughter, I did my comp exams on -hmm. bed rest from the phone for my PhD. And then after I had her, I wrote my dissertation in, you know, the first 10 months of her life 
And when I defended my dissertation that day, I found out I was pregnant with my second child. And right after that is when I was offered the, the professorship. And, you know, being pregnant with my second daughter, I just decided that, you know, if I was going to be a person, you know, I had focused so much on women and leadership. If I was going to be a person who advocated for the giftedness of women and the leadership of women, then I ought to take care of the women and the young women in my Mm -hmm. own house first. And so Mm -hmm. I passed up that opportunity and I decided to stay home. And, you know, we lived in this little condo in Holland, Michigan, and where you don't see the sun from October to May. (laughs) And growing up from Texas, that's quite a shock. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I was at home with kids in, in, you know, um, in a condo. And it was, even though I was writing, and I was, you know, getting my voice out there, and I was doing things, I still felt um, like, very absorbed in the role of motherhood. And so when you're mothering young kids and when you're home with young kids, it can be uh, very different to try to find your identity or your real identity apart from being a mom than it is when maybe your kids grow up and they can they can actually talk back to you and they can um, they have minds of their own and lives of their own. And So then you have to reinvent yourself then. You have to, as they grow up, you have to figure out, oh, this is who I am. And then and now I think it even it may even look different for you as you know, I think, are you about to be an empty nester? We've got a few years yet, but yeah, yeah. My my youngest is 15, so it's not too far away. Yeah, and which it's is, which is is totally wild, and that that is the weird thing, I guess, and that's the value, I guess, of of knowing who you are, even in those years. Because I I made the same decision. I left a great editorial job. Um, I always joke that the, the beautiful part about you know working in editorial and non for profit is I did just before my oldest son was born, is that you know I barely made any money, so it made it, it made the decision to leave not that difficult because it was I think we would have been paying babysitters and daycares more, and I still you know I I wrote freelance, I edited freelance, like I still kept doing these sort of things, but in a very different capacity, um, kind of like you're saying, and it's a hard choice because even now you know I turned fifty this summer, and I'm not gonna lie, like I will look back sometimes and go oh. I would have stayed like, yeah, that's where I could, you know, it's very easy still to compare and to say, oh, I could have done this. But it felt very clear that that was, as you're saying too, that that was the right choice to make at that time. And I don't regret it at all. Um, but I, I totally know, felt that lost feeling, um, especially I think when you get involved in, you know, play groups and mom groups. And I think there's this assumption that like, everybody's just perfectly happy to be home with their kids and everything's mm-hmm. great. And so until you start sort of opening up about that and learning about people as multifaceted individuals, which we all are, um, it can feel really isolating because especially if you're struggling, you know, if you're in that condo in the gray, and by the way, here in Chicagoland, I don't, we saw the sun yesterday, maybe the first time in a month. So <laughs> I'm, I'm actually feeling it's been really 
really brutal. But, you know, it can feel really isolating if you're if you're making assumptions that everybody else is just hunky-dory and loving it and, you know, you're struggling. So talk to other people as well. It's really important. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that um, that I've noticed in, in my most recent research with young adults is one of their um, statements has always been, why can't the church be more like AA? And what they mean yeah. by that is they mean, why can't we actually be open about our struggles and how we're mm-hmm. actually feeling and who we are? And, you know, this I remember this one kid, he goes, you know, I was leading a focus group of like, you know, 50 kids, which you're not supposed to have a focus group of 50 kids, but I had it. And so I did it. And this one kid goes, why can't we just break character at church? Why do we have to put on this Christian character? And I think it's the same thing with, you know, being, being a mom too, is breaking that character of like feeling like, oh yeah, I'm totally happy and I've got this under control and da, 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 da. And if you don't have it under control, then something's wrong with you. And um, we do have that tendency to to put on that character and to put on that mask that everything's hunky dory when it's not. Yep. Which makes it all. It which just makes it worse. It totally does. That's a great phrase. That was a great insight about kids to say great character because that's exactly right. And I think. You know, I feel like moms of young kids today. I feel like there is an increase. Honestly, I mean, I'm Gen X, and maybe we didn't do a great job of it, but it feels like maybe the millennials are a little more comfortable or, you know, kind of seeing this, but still, I, I think that exists out there. It's just particularly, you know, when you start hearing the language of, you know, women say like, oh, I, I get to stay home. They're recognizing the privilege, perhaps, of that, but also I think that comes with an assumption that that means they should be perfectly satisfied and not sad about missing their work life or whatever. Um, so yeah, just being honest about that and breaking character and talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly is all, I think, really helpful Yeah, for one another. Well, you know, Karen, I thank you so much for, you know, being with us today. And I know that, you know, early in your career, you talked a lot about motherhood, but your most recent book is, is about animals, which is almost sort of like your dual love you know and so you have written a book called saints of feather and fang and i would can you tell us a little bit about that book and where you can where we can find it if we would like to pick it up sure well this is a book um about the ways that animals and the subtitle is how the animals we love and fear connect us to god and that's essentially wraps up exactly what it is um it's a book about what animals tell us about god um, how we learn about God and learn about creation and can, you know, learn to recognize and even different attributes of God at work and our animal friends. Um, yeah, totally love love because I love animals so much and I love God so much. But the book is available all the usual places online. Um, if it's your favorite bookseller, um, if they don't have it, they can order it. Um, so, you know, be sure to visit them as well. Well, Karen, thank you so much for being with us again today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott. Visit our website at www.christiancurious.com to find more shows and more about us. That's www.christiancurious.com. Stay curious.